Well, good morning, Mendham Hills. <clears throat> you all made it on the 4th of July weekend. Happy 4th of July weekend. We are concluding our series today, What If Jesus Was Serious, where we've been going through the Sermon on the Mount, the greatest sermon of all time, where if you haven't been with us, we've covered some pretty outlandish, serious statements from Jesus. Things like, blessed are the poor, love your enemies, turn the other cheek, where he had someone, right, if you remember, bring up the pool, noodle John, and pretending to slap someone, I think it was uh, the drummer's son, Paul, uh, Caleb, uh, John almost, you know, almost had to take me as your lead pastor, just kidding, never. But turn the other cheek. Don't practice your righteousness in front of others. Thou shalt not judge. And there are some we didn't get to and unfortunately won't get to. If you do not forgive, your Father in heaven will not forgive. That's a powerful one. Or depart from me, I never knew you. That's a big one. But this morning... I would like to talk to you about what I think is personally the most outlandish one. I think it's the most difficult to wrap our, our heads around because it rubs up against our personal experiences and it doesn't really feel like it lines up with our reality. And this topic has come up a lot in the past five years that I've been here serving as your student pastor and also in a lot of the conversations that I've had recently. So I began to think and began to remember over the years, I've had a lot of students ask me questions about prayer from very simple ones like, Mike, why do we pray? Or how do we pray? What, should, what do I say? Do I close my eyes? Is that okay to say? Do I, do I sit like this? To, a lot more difficult, complex questions to answer. Things like, Mike, my parents are divorced. Why did God let that happen? Or why is this my struggle? Why do I need to struggle with that? Can't God give me something else to struggle with? Or why won't God heal my mom, my dad, my grandparent, my sibling? Why did they pass away when I explicitly prayed and asked for God to not let that happen. Do you feel that with me? Yeah, it's really hard, tough, but fair questions. And I think it's not just students who are asking these questions. I think you ask these questions too. I don't think that we as human beings struggle too much with what to ask for. I think you know what you want, and I think you're already asking for it. I think the real question we're all asking is, why does God not answer my prayers? And how do I make sense of this experience with most of my prayers going unanswered? Those two things, they just don't make sense to me. I think that's what you're feeling and asking with me. So let's talk about that today. This is how I want to end our series. So let's jump into these words of Jesus, this really shocking statement and then talk through how we can align our reality with his words. Starting in Matthew chapter 7, verse 7. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. The one who seeks 
finds, the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Ask and you shall receive. Seriously? It seems to me that Jesus says that we're supposed to ask. Put together your, your registry of all of your asks and present them to God. And he seems to say, when you do so, you'll receive. Is he saying that? Jesus, what are you saying? Because my reality, it doesn't line up with those words all the time. So let's walk through this passage because I think there are some ways that we can misunderstand, we can misuse these verses. You know, we can think of God as a genie. Uh, we, we just watched or started to watch the first like 20 minutes of Aladdin last night with my daughter. And I was like, yep, there's the genie. Or we could think of God as like a gumball machine. I put in my quarter, twist it around enough, twist it back the other way, and out comes what I want. Or we think, ah, prayer doesn't really even work anyway. Every time I try it, it just feels like God's going to do what he's going to do anyways. It made me think of it, or I went to California recently, and I was thinking about this. One of my best friend's wedding, it's wedding season for everyone, and it's certainly wedding season for me and Olivia. We have several more to go to this year. But it made me reminisce of when Olivia and I were engaged, the engagement season. I started to think about that on the plane. And I think there's a, the, the, one of the most, the best parts about that engagement season. It's called the wedding registry. That's when you and your fiance, you get to make a list of everything you would like for someone to give you or to buy for you. And you make that list together and you send it out to all your friends and family. And it's kind of funny to me that we can send out a very specific list of gifts. I want you to buy me and not come across like an entitled jerk. We want a gift and we've already told you, here you go, this is what I want from you. I think that's really funny. And then the stores added an element for all the guys, all the, the grooms so they don't complain and grumble all the time, right? The laser guns, so you can play duck hunt with all the things. And then your wife looks at it later and goes, what did you do? I don't know how that got there. <laughs> goop, goop, goop. <laughs> and your list grows and you add it and then you put it on your wedding invite and your wedding website. But then we read those verses, and maybe some of us read that passage and, and can think of it like that. Yeah, I put together a, a list, my registry of what I am asking for and I would like to receive. Isn't that what Jesus is saying? And he repeats himself twice, ask and you'll receive. Okay, I'm asking. I'm not receiving what's going on. I thought Jesus was being serious. Well, I do think that Jesus is first inviting us into something before we get to that. He just said the exact same thing twice. He's really saying the same three things twice. Ask, seek, knock. Ask, seek, knock. In other words, go to God, go to God, like go to God. Like he's saying, come to me. The first thing that Jesus is pointing out and really trying to drive home, I think, is that you and I were invited into a relationship with him where we can continually, repeatedly go to him with our 
requests. Go to him with what we're fearing. Go to him with what I'm worried about, I'm stressed about, I'm facing. And heck, man, these are even the wants that I have. It's cool to me that we can even do that in the first place. Jesus further says, his door will always be open. It's not like today when you hear a knock on the door, right? If you, you hear a knock on your front door, you go, oh, did you hear, was that you? Oh, no, hide, maybe they'll go away, right? No, like back in the day, someone knocks on your door and go, hey, what's up? Hey, how's it going? Oh, someone's here. I remember when I was young, my neighbor across the street, they would knock on the front door. Hey, can Mike come out and play wiffle ball? Sure. But now it's like, oh, no, how dare someone knock on my front door? But I want, let me give you this really important context to that and why it's important. And then we'll get to answering the question of how God's door is always open. We have to keep in mind that Jesus is speaking here to an audience that had already some understanding of God, but saw him as a distant force that only the priest in the temple could communicate with. Not you and I, not the average person. And, and Jesus is saying, no, 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 you're, you're invited. The door is open. Come talk to me. Ask and seek and knock. And we're in this relationship where we can see God as father. And he sees us as his kid. And Pete spoke about that a few weeks ago. So wait, I can talk to God and God hears me. Yes. And he wants a relationship with you like a father. And I know that can be difficult for some of us to comprehend, but I think of it this way. When Adeline comes running to me when I get home from work, I don't turn away like, shoo. I don't put earplugs in like, I don't want to hear you. I don't do that. I either bend down right, and give her a hug or I pick her up and I swing her around. God is your father in heaven, and that's the type of relationship that we're invited to here. And some of us, when we pray, even though God, Jesus is saying, ask me, it's okay, it's good, it's hard for us not to talk like differently. We think, okay, here's my like regular, I'm gonna talk to Paul this way, but when I talk to God, okay, I'm gonna sit like this, my hands go like this, I'm gonna squeeze my eyes shut real tight, and I'm gonna say it. It's like we're reading the Declaration of Independence and we over-formalize our language to him. But I think something that could be way more honest would be, God, I'm just really anxious right now. I'm feeling overwhelmed by life. And honestly, I'm still thinking about that last conversation I had with that person I don't really love, and, but now I'm like thinking, oh my gosh, what do they think of me now? Some of us don't even think that we can have that type of dialogue with God. I was talking with someone I'm mentoring recently, and we were talking about how we've both tried to reverse psychology, Jesus, <laughs> with our prayers. For example, God, thank you for this day, even though this terrible thing happened, but, but thank you, and thank you for that. But honestly, like we, we were just saying thank you because we know we were supposed to, and it sounded good. That's what we're supposed to say, right? But the honest prayer would have sounded like, God, I'm honestly not thankful right now. I'm sorry, I'm just really upset with that situation. I'm mad about it. And even upset, God, that you are allowing this to happen. I'm not happy about it. I know, I guess I should always be joyful in all things, but I'm just not. What's the more honest prayer, right? 
Jesus is inviting you and I into a relationship where we can call him Father and be really honest. Okay, fine, Mike. What do I pray? What do I pray for then? Anything you care about, you should talk to God about. First Peter 5, cast all of your anxiety. Another version, cast all of your cares on him because he cares for you. Bring everything, all of what you care about to God because you are what God cares about. For some of you, it could be, God, I want to have a spouse. And all the single people in the room said, amen. It doesn't mean you're guaranteed a spouse. God, this is where we get more personal now. God, we want to have a baby. God, will you bring my family back together? God, help me find a job. God, please heal my loved one. I'm asking, I'm seeking, I'm knocking. And this is the point that I believe that some of you, most of you are probably already at. Like, yeah, Mike, we got it. He cares about us, cool. I'm asking, like, okay. And you're probably thinking, I am asking, but I'm not receiving. And that hurts. And I don't understand why. I mean, we just read from a witnessed account that Jesus says, ask and it will be given to you. So here's the really valid question that most of you are wondering. That when I read this passage, I'm like, yeah, I would be wondering this. When I ask and I don't get what I ask for, and I do get something I didn't ask for, is that because God either doesn't love me or is a bad gift giver? I mean, think back to that wedding registry. When my wife and I, we completed ours, inevitably, there were people who went, what's called, off the registry. <laughs> and they bought us a gift we did not ask for. But they thought, I'm going to give them this. I mean, that's a bold move, kind of a gamble. Could be a great gift, or could be a gift we really didn't want, and both happened. There were definitely a couple gifts that we were like, I really wish you just stuck to the registry. And we really wanted that. I guess we have to use our money now to buy the vacuum. <laughs> <laughs> So when we read these verses, we have to deal with the tension between his words and the reality of our experiences when God goes off our registry. And to do that, we have to do two things. First, we have to use the context given with the surrounding verses, and then we have to interpret those verses with the totality of Scripture. So, the surrounding verses. Is God not great at giving gifts? Why did I not receive when I ask? Jesus answers that. Here's what he says in the next verses. Which of you, if your son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? If you then, though you are evil, and by evil he just means in comparison to God, like no one is righteous compared to a perfect holy God. So if you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? He brings up bread and fish when talking about prayer. I know all of you just think prayer, mm, fish. But he brings that up because he was trying to relate to his audience. 
Bread and fish, a very common meal. Remember the feeding of the 5,000? That's what his audience could relate to. And some of you know the story of those 5,000. So Jesus is saying, this son is asking for something to eat. I just need to eat in order to live. Dad, I'm bringing you my, my bare need. The simplest thing I can ask for. So if your dad, right, and, and you came up to him, Dad, give me something to eat. And he was like, here's a rock. Ha-ha. You'd be like, what? That doesn't make any sense. Or if you are a dad and your kid asks you, here's a rock. Like, no. Of course not. That, that's, that's the silly. Even the worst dad out there wouldn't do that. So do you think God would do that? No. Why? God only gives good things. God only gives good things. He doesn't give all things. He gives good things. So maybe some of what we need to ask for, while we believe it's good what we're asking for, maybe it's, maybe it's not. Is Jesus serious about ask and receive? Yes, he is serious, but it's even better than you thought. Your father is so good that he sometimes doesn't answer your prayers. He'll only answer those that are good for you. And that's really hard. If God just gave us everything we ever asked for off of our registry, I'd be married to my fourth grade crush. At the time, I was convinced, like, that's the best thing for me. But in reality, not the best thing for me. If I gave Adeline everything she ever asked for, we will create a mess of a human being. We'll create a mess. But as her dad, I want to give her things. But I want to give her what will be good for her, not good for her happiness. And again, that's really hard. So the context around the verses we just read, that God only gives good things. That's key. And I know what you're thinking, but what I'm asking for sure feels like a good thing. Sure feels like what I'm asking for is good. I'm not asking for a million dollars, Mike. I mean, maybe some. But I'm not asking for a million dollars. I'm just asking that my loved one could be healed. That sure feels like a good thing. Okay, so now we have to interpret that God gives good things, those scripture verses, with the totality of scripture. In other words, scripture doesn't and won't contradict itself. It only helps us shed light on a greater truth. In John chapter 14, verse 13, Jesus says, again, the words of Jesus, and I will do whatever you ask in my name. There it is again. So that the Father may be glorified in the Son. Oh, so if it glorifies the Son, not glorifies me. John 15, verse 7. If you remain in me, and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. We have to understand that God is a sovereign, good, and perfect God, and therefore has a sovereign, good, and perfect will for us. And that is hard because I can't always fully make sense of it. There are times with what we ask for and what I want does not get answered. 
Those occasions are where God's will for your life and God's desire, desires, right? These, there are times when God does answer. That's when God's desires and wills match up with our desires. Jesus continues this idea six more times in these chapters. Ask anything you want in my name and it will be given to you. Does that mean I get to say, hey, Lord, I want a brand new Ferrari? In Jesus' name, amen. Boom, man, thank you. No, it means that whatever is in God's sovereign will, that's what happens. But the point is still that we need to bring everything, all of, we cast all of our cares on him constantly, not occasionally, constantly. How else will I know that I'm asking these things in God's will? How would I know that? Well, I started with a relationship because that's what, it's all about relationship. If you have it, then you'll begin to know. Think of the closest relationship you have right now. For some of you, it's your spouse who you're sitting next to. It could be your best friend, your parents, your siblings. When you're most stressed out or really bogged down by something, do you just go to that person like one time? Yeah, this is what I'm just stressed about. And then never talk about it again. No. You talk to them all the time. You pillow talk about it. You wake up, you talk about it. You talk about it, you talk about it all the time. Why? Because you're in a close relationship with that person. And that's what Jesus is being serious about. So maybe then, could it be a trust issue? It, like trusting God and his will can be really hard sometimes. I'm asking, I'm not seeing the outcome I hoped for and prayed for, but you still want me to trust you, God? As it relates to living this Christian life, there is a faith that is involved to walk through and hold on to the teachings of Jesus, which is, he only gives good things, but what does it mean when I experience a not good thing? It means it's either not from God, and it's a part of living in a broken world, or it's something that though I can't see it right now, maybe one day will be good. Either not from God, or it's something that one day will see, despite my feelings, despite my wondering, why is this happening this way right now? I'll see it as good, because God only gives good things. And if he goes off the registry, goes off my list, doesn't give me what I ask for, it's not because he doesn't love me. He already proved that to me and to you by dying on a cross for everything I've ever done. Which, by the way, let's think about that story for a second. Jesus explicitly prayed to God that he would not have to go to the cross. He asked for it. Matthew 26, verses 38 and 39 then he said to them, my soul, this is Jesus, is overwhelmed to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. He's talking to his disciples. He knows what he's about to do. And then he prays. He goes off, going a little further. He fell to his face to the ground and prayed, my father, God, if it's possible, may this cup be taken from me. Please, I don't want to go to the cross. He's asking. Yet, not as I will, but as you will. There's still sorrow in that statement, yet not as I will, but as you will. There, it's not a happy jingle. There's sorrow to that sentence. Jesus still went to the cross, and God did not answer his prayer. 
what makes you and I, what makes us think that God will automatically answer our prayers? He didn't answer Jesus's. Why should he answer ours? It's really hard. But God has a perfect will that sometimes doesn't align with our own. And it takes the relationship with him to shift our hearts to understand his will. How do we do that? How do I shift my heart to understand God's will? Once again, we pray. But you and I need to understand that the purpose of prayer is not the genie or the gumball. The purpose is not to ultimately get what I want, get what I will, but to transform my will to his will. That's the purpose of prayer. We follow Jesus' example from the verses we just read, not I will, your will. Furthermore, since God only gives what is good, what we want to happen in prayer is to have our minds transformed by the renewing of our minds. Those of you who know scripture, you know where I'm going next in Romans 12. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test, approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. When we pray, it transforms my heart, transforms my mind, so I can start to understand. Prayer fuels that relationship. Helps me transform my mind so that I know what's good. And then I ask for it. King David, who said to have been a man after God's own heart, said this. He was on to this idea in Psalm 37. Take delight in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Okay. So when we delight in the Lord, the things that tend to change are not your circumstances. I delight so my circumstances can change. No. I delight in the Lord so I can change. And when I begin to change, I begin to see, I begin to understand, and I begin to trust in God's will. So in our delight of him, our hearts start to align with his, and then it's much easier for God to give us our desires because our hearts already match his. It's not because he doesn't care about you that you don't get what you want, and it's not because he can't give you what you want. The reason why must be because he must know something I don't. If I ask for something and I don't get it, it's not because he doesn't care or can't. It has to be because... He knows something I don't. I have to think of it like this, otherwise I'd start to think that God's not good or doesn't give good things. It's like this. Adeline, I'm using Adeline a lot. Sorry, kiddo, PK, pastor kid. But Adeline loves to go swimming. I mean, loves, she's not even two yet, and loves the water. If she sees a pool, a lake, a stream, a fountain at a restaurant, she thinks its sole purpose is for its sole purpose for existing is so that she can go in it. And as soon as she sees it, right? We were just out to dinner the, last week, and she sees this fountain. She she's in nice clothes, like a little cute dress, and she starts going wah 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 wah, and she starts running to it. And then we're like, no. And then she starts freaking out before we even sit down to dinner. We're like, ah. She can't go swimming in the fountain. I mean, you can, but we're not going to let you because that would be kind of silly. You can't go in the pool without mom or dad. And sometimes we tell her no, 
we're not going in right now, and she has to wait. She gets really upset, but Olivia and I know something that she doesn't. That if she gets in the water without one of us, she can't swim yet, so what will happen? She'll drown. But she doesn't know that yet. We don't let her go in by herself, not because we don't care, not because we can't, it's because we know something she doesn't. Could it be possible then, if an imperfect human being has that ability, that a infinite, perfect, all-knowing, holy God could look at us when we're saying, Wawa! Wawa! I want that! Lord, this is what I'm asking for. And God says, it's not because I don't love you. It's not because I can't give it to you. It's because I know something you don't and you can trust me. Ugh. I know in this room, in this community, online, there are some times where life feels like it handed you a stone and a snake. And some of it is because it's not from God. We live in a broken world. That's a really emotional challenge. If you're walking through a serious illness, a breakup, a death of a loved one, whatever is causing you pain, it sure feels like a stone or a snake. But the scriptures, they don't point us to the fact that everything good comes from, they do, and the scriptures, excuse me, they point us to the fact that everything good comes from one place. Everything good comes from God. And for Christians, everything not good, everything that's not good, ultimately will be made good in eternity. That through all of it, God was working somehow to bring about good in ways that I'll never see or I'll never understand. And yet, I hear what I'm saying. And whatever is most troubling you right now, how in the world is God going to bring good about that? I don't know. I don't know yet. I don't know how God will bring good through your pain. I don't know that. But I do know that he has promised that one day, every tear will be wiped away, and he will make everything beautiful. Ecclesiastes 3 says, He has made everything beautiful in its time. He has also set eternity in the human heart, yet no one can fathom what God has done from beginning to end. So I, I don't know what you're walking through, but I know that one day we'll see everything woven together for good. Jesus is, in fact, serious when he tells us to come and ask. Come and ask. Come and ask. But it's even better than we imagined because he will only give us what is ultimately good. I wish I could connect the dots for you while, you know, in your life, how everything will one day be woven together. I wish I could, I wish I could know for you. I really do. But I don't know what's going to happen. And in the meantime, in the meantime, we can come to God in relationship with him and ask. I found this quote from Tim Keller, who I enjoy reading. He's a famous theologian and pastor, and he says this about this topic. God will either give us what we ask for in prayer or give us what we would have asked for if we knew everything he knows. Amen. That's a really great line. So in the meantime, we can ask knowing that our Father only gives good things. So if it's not good, it's either not from him or it's not done. So earlier I said that the best part about being engaged, one of them, is the wedding registry. 
And then you're married. You get to open all those gifts that you received. And, and the best thing about being married, it's not about the gifts you received off your registry. It's not. The best thing about being married is the relationship that you step into, your spouse. As awesome as all those gifts were, except for that vacuum cleaner they didn't get us, that you asked for, you enter into this relationship where all those things, all those gifts, they shrink. They pale in comparison to the greatest gift, which is in this earthly example, your spouse. All the other stuff, nice, it's cool, but it's a joke. It's a joke to even put them on the same playing field. All the gifts I asked you or I told you to get for me or a relationship with my wife. It's a joke to put those on the same level. I think and hope there will come a day that we'll see the greatest gift, the greatest gift, the thing that in our heart of hearts that we could have ever wanted was actually none of the things you've asked for or wished that God would do, it's always been him. Him. And it will always be him. The passage we looked at today occurs in two, other, in two places. First is Matthew 7, and the other is in Luke chapter 11. It's the same exact thing, except he adds two words. If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Luke is saying, your father, like any good father, he loves to give good things to his kids. But the thing more than anything he loves is giving the best thing, the best thing being himself. So much so where he would give his life on the cross so you would have your greatest need, your greatest desire, your greatest ask that you will ever have, which is him. And what I've witnessed so far in my life is that when people deepen their relationship with God, they discover this. All the things that they think, if they just had, they'd be happy if I just got, if I just received what I've asked for. Life would be better. They begin to discover that the thing they could be most thankful for ever asking for was a relationship with him. More than any of the stuff that I could have gotten or that God has given me. God, more than anything else, I just want more of you. I hope for the greatest thing for my students. I hope for the greatest things for my friends and my family members. I hope for the greatest things for my little one. I hope for the greatest things for all of you. But the thing I hope for more than anything is that you would really know Jesus. That's what I hope for more than anything and that you would receive the greatest gift, that you would ask and, and receive that. God has an amazing track record. You can go, you know, God, more than anything, I want more of you. I want a deeper relationship with you, Jesus. God loves to answer that prayer. Jesus is being super serious. He gives really good gifts according to his will, and he gives the best gift of all himself. Jesus. Ask and you'll receive. Let's stand as we close.